0: This episode may contain explicit language and themes such as sexual assault and violence. Listener discretion is advised. There's multiple pieces in here about people sharing penis photos.
1: It's actually worse than just a penis photo. There were people in positions of leadership who were sharing pornographic material to the volunteers.
0: I'm Dan Johnstone, and this is Hillsong and Megachurch Shattered from Discovery+. Plus. After Carl Lentz was fired by Hillsong in November 2020 for infidelity, Hillsong decided to solicit a New York-based law firm, Zuckerman, Gore, Brandies and Crossman, to conduct an internal investigation into Carl Lentz and Hillsong NYC. The firm spent six weeks interviewing staff, volunteers and congregants about Carl and the Hillsong NYC culture, before generating a final report for Hillsong Global, outlining their findings. The final report, dubbed The Lentz Report, in Hillsong Circles, remained a Hillsong secret for over a year, until early 2022, when it was leaked to Christian Post investigative journalist Leonardo Blair. In April 2022, Leonardo published a story containing shocking excerpts and summarizing specific sections of the report, like the story of Carl's flagrant and allegedly unwanted sexual relationship with his nanny, Leona Kimes, as well as two other affairs, The article sent a shockwave through the Hillsong community. We covered Leonardo's article in episode 2. But the full report was never released. For months, I tried to track it down. I got in touch with Leonardo, and through some Hillsong sources, connected with a handful of people I knew had the full report. But no one would share it with me. Some folks wanted to publish exclusive articles about it, while others were too concerned about the greater ramifications of publishing any other details from the report. I'd given up all hope that I'd ever get the report. And then, on a random Wednesday in late October, I got an unsigned email from a domain called Hellsong. In it was the full, unredacted 51-page investigative report of Carl Lentz and Hillsong NYC. The Lentz Report. So I sent it to Dalali. And we dove in.
1: First impressions was what the fuck, <laughs> but yeah, I read in one sitting, and I just realized that as much as I was involved in that level, there was so much happening behind the scenes that right. is almost too bad to actually believe. Like it's almost incredible that all of this stuff was happening happening behind the scenes of a place that called itself a church. Yeah. And the narrative that like, you know, you probably heard it. I definitely heard it. You know, Carl was a good person and he just got entangled. He just got, you know, drawn away by the lights and, and the fame. And for me reading this report, I'm like, that's, that, that's actually a false narrative. That's actually, I can no longer actually even think like that because, Wow. There's just too much there's just too much evidence that, like this thing was from the get go. it was theatrics for years, <laughs> covering up for years right to be honest and i and i and I know the weight of what I'm gonna say, like, I think he's been a con artist from the very beginning, and he just used the environment of a church to do whatever he wanted to do. I really, I really do think that because the way that everything was set up was not set up with any sort of reverence for God and the divine and God's people.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: That's my first impression. What is your first impression?
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a powerful one. I have a couple, couple of first impressions. One was a sense of validation to the stories that I'd heard. Mm. That this is now documented and, and shown and the things people were saying, this report seems to break it all down into like a flowchart or like a, a um, uh, an organizing document of, of operations. Mm. And the, the point that you mentioned about like, it points to Carl, but also other people. It's like that idea of, Carl dictates the meter at which everyone else speaks. And I think that is how you see these other names, other pastors, other people of authority sort of clicking into that same meter, Mm. doing the same things, not quite having the same uh, leadership power or the the same organizational power as being the top of the pyramid, but certainly exerting and using some of the the patterns that are being sent down to them. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself that when I had read the stuff from the Christian Post and when I had read leaks and I'd read other things, that when you read the whole report, it might actually be better to sort of understand that there's more context to it and you would hear more to it. And I had the complete and utter opposite effect reading this report that the things that were being released, when you added context to them, sounded much, 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 much worse. The report breaks down the investigation into several categories. Sexual misconduct, retaliation, wage and hour violations, discrimination, non-sexual harassment and abuse, failures of pastor leadership, and conflicts of interest and self-dealing. Each category has pages of specifics based on allegations and anecdotes given by interviewees. Many other Hillsong NYC leaders are mentioned in the report and Delali knew all of them. The largest section of the report outlines the rampant sexual misconduct at Hillsong NYC. It's 16 pages of allegations against Hillsong staffers and volunteers, ranging from sexual harassment and predation to allegations of rape. There's multiple pieces in here about people sharing penis photos. There is a section called penis photos. Um, Mm. One is penis photo um which we believe is a independent contractor some of them are like we're not sure if if it's their actual penis yeah the report claims to quote the report mike vogel was a children's pastor at hillsong a girl moved from boston and wanted to serve on the children's team vogel arranged an initial meeting with her late at night the meeting turned to drinks before the night was over vogel was accepting sexual favors Uh, i believe that mike remained on the hillsong payroll Mike Vogel did not respond to our request for comment. And there's another quote, the report, a woman came forward who said she was having sex with Darnell Barrett, a Hillsong pastor, early on in his marriage. And in response to that, Kane Keating, lead pastor at Hillsong NYC, responded to this complaint by saying the girl was, quote, crazy and Darnell just had made a mistake, end quote. In the report, Kane Keating claimed he did escalate this to Carl Lentz and Pastor Brenda Thorne, and Darnell was placed on administrative leave for therapy. Kane did not respond to our request for comment about this.
1: I would like to say something about that. I realized reading the report that a lot of times the response that these people had was to say, the woman is crazy and the guy just made a mistake. You can read that over and over and over again. I've read that. On the report and outside of the report, I heard people telling me that when they reported something specifically in terms of like just lines that were crossed sexually, there would be two responses. One would be from Kane Keating saying, "Um, I'll handle it. And then nothing would be done. Like nothing. Nothing. And then the second response would be eventually if the person kind of pursues it, the woman kind of pursues like what's been done about this. The response would always be like, Oh no, she's crazy and he's okay. He just made a mistake. Multiple times.
0: Right. Yeah. Just just discredit, discredit the woman. I have a part pulled up here specifically about that. Mm -hmm. So there's um, sort of a policy of double standards and it's, directly relating to what you were talking about. Quote, Although this no-loose-women policy in the green room seems practical, it also tends to suggest a general awareness that the men in that green room could not themselves be trusted to behave. It is concerning that the solution to this problem appears to have been limited to excluding women who were likely to tempt the men. As a side observation, there does not appear to have been an effort to exclude from the green room women who were attractive. To the contrary... The green room seems to have selected beautiful helpers. Only women with a history of sexual encounters were excluded. It was taught in the church that both genders needed to be celibate until marriage, but it was only enforced against women.
1: 100%. 100%. It's disgusting. It's disgusting because even, to be honest, like I know personally somebody who used to work in the green room, right? And so going back to the story, the penis photo... It was more than just, it was more than a penis photo. It was actually, I don't know, the report says he's an independent contractor. He was basically just there, you know, looking cool, giving Carl Little Street cred because he's a cool looking black guy, you know. He sent a video of himself having sex with somebody else um, to one of the girls who was volunteering in the green room. And she got reprimanded. She shared the concern with somebody and then eventually got to um, Carl. And Carl took her aside and basically like scolded her when she had nothing to do with any of this stuff. And he he protected his friend. It just reinforces the idea of that frat culture that we talked about, of that. It's really, I really want to say that it's even, it goes beyond just frat culture. I think Hillsong was a place where, I don't want to say sexual perversion, but sexual anything could go. <laughs> you know, anything could go as long as it's like, as long as it wasn't in the open, as long as they could cover it up somehow. Right. In the act of covering up, the woman was always going to be the one to be diminished. That's why they called the women crazy. That's why they, they, They reprimanded the women. That's why they said certain things like, oh, it's only women with sexual histories that could not serve in the green room. And the male leaders would just either be put to the side for like a week or two. And they would say, you know, he's going to get counseling or whatever. Or sometimes nothing would even happen. Most of the times they would report it. These women would report it and nothing would happen
0: time and time again throughout this report there are allegations of disturbing behaviour by male Hillsong leaders and members being reported and nothing ever happening but even when there were consequences for abusive behaviour they came after other male leaders had already overlooked the behaviour and passed the point where the damage had been done like the story of a Hillsong volunteer whose sexual predilections in the church were ignored until Hillsong care pastor Brenda Thorne became involved. So, who was a Hills, on the Hillsong events team, uh, there were four women who were members of the church who had been sleeping with. Thorne, who was doing the interviewing and, uh, and who was looking into these stories and talking to Thorne, stated that from these interviews she felt that was a predator, that he had targeted these women and that he used his PTSD as an anchor point to help seduce them. At the end of the investigation, was expelled from the church. This is a situation where, like, they did the right thing. Clearly could have been a sexual predator. Based on the allegations in the report, it seems like he was acting that way, and he was seducing these women, and he was sleeping with them, which he shouldn't have been doing. Um,
1: And I want to add to what you were saying, that he wasn't the only sexual predator. So the fact that, like, he eventually was expelled from the church, I think it's only because there were just too many women For the rhetoric to be like, oh no, they're all crazy, and he just made a mistake. You can't make a mistake four times repeatedly with four women. He was the exception to the rule. It was just too much for them to actually justify him staying at church.
0: It took sexual encounters with four different women, and, per the report, a Hillsong pastor's conclusion that he was a sexual predator, for to be removed from the church, and even more troubling... The report goes on to say that Kane Keating, one of the most powerful pastors at Hillsong NYC, had already known about f- involvement with some of the women, and that he could not be trusted to handle the situation. The report alleges that amid all of this, Keating actually suggested elevating, f- claiming he could quote be in leadership and run a campus someday. The real issue in this story, other than his behavior, is Kane Keating. His handling of the situation is what is, this story is about to me. I can state that just from doing a search on this report, um, Kane Keating is the most mentioned name outside of Carl Lentz in this entire report. Yeah. Now, I'll quote from the report. In an interview um, with a person whose name has been withheld, they stated that she had a good friend, Ian, who was part of the church and was gay. According to the interviewee, Kane Keating told her that she should have sex with Ian and God would forgive her for getting him back on the wagon.
1: Yeah, that's just horrible.
0: Other than the complete disregard of someone's sexuality, there are many, many other problems with his suggestion. There's a part in the report about Kane sharing a racist joke. Interviewee wrote in an email describing how she had attended a Connect Group Leaders Training Meeting in 2012 King Keating walked into the room and said, quote, "I'm so glad there are more white people here today. In the last training, there were too many non-white people, and it felt weird." End quote. Interviewee stated that everyone kind of laughed nervously, and Keating said, quote, "It's a joke, and you know, if you can't take the joke, there are many churches out there who will welcome you." End quote.
1: Yeah, he used to say that all the time. He used to say that all the time like he used to like say the most inappropriate things and just be like, "Oh, it's a joke." But if you think about it, even as a joke, there's certain things that just are horrific to say. And the fact that, like...
0: Yeah, it's, it's not a joke.
1: It's not a joke. The, the, exactly. As you said, like, it wasn't a joke, but then he just said it was a joke so that he wouldn't get too much smoke. This is what he actually thought, because nobody would say something as a joke if they didn't even think it, especially when you're talking about something so hideous as racism. You know, and he would just he would he would say that and just be like, "Oh, it's a joke," and then we're supposed to just laugh because, again, power dynamics. What are we supposed to say? We're we supposed to do this? Person reported in 2012. It didn't change. He was still like that. You know, so it's like, right. again, reading the report, like it, dating back to 2012. That's ten years ago. Yeah. It's has been like that from the jump. Prior to like starting this journey with you Dan I had met with a couple of people just because I wanted to hear like okay what is going on like I wanted to hear their side of the story I wanted to hear their side of whatever allegations were out there whatever people were saying about them um grace like what you were talking about right and Kane was one of them
0: What I didn't know until this moment Is that Kane Keating Was actually the Hillsong pastor That Delali had met with Our first day of recording That conversation was what nearly made Delali Back out of the podcast entirely At the time she thought that maybe He did want to make a change Maybe Hillsong did want to make a change And this podcast might cause a setback For that change But at the time Delali had also not read the report
1: I sat down with him and I talked to him for what I thought was going to be a couple of hours turned out to be like a five hour conversation with him and I looked in his eyes and I really really can't tell you if he's a changed man or not I don't know. After reading the report, that soft eye that's gone and that grace that's a little bit gone because it's just too much. The racist jokes, the horrendous stuff that was said to people, part of the LGBTQ community, the horrendous stuff that was said to women. And I happen to be a woman and I happen to be non-white. So I'm saying to myself like, when he was looking me in the eye and telling me all of these things, was it yet another act was he was he looking me in the eye and really lying to my face? yeah i don't know, I really don't know, and that breaks my heart because it makes me feel beyond foolish. It makes me feel like what the hell was real. <laughs> Who was real? Yeah. I no longer have grace for any of them, any of the people who were mentioned. They had the choice to stay in something that was toxic, and they decided to turn a blind eye to a lot of these things for the sake of getting a paycheck. And for me, that is where my grace goes out the window. Can you really say that you believe that God was working? <laughs> that God was in the midst of all of this? Yeah. Like you were really doing something for God? Like, really look me in the eye and tell me, like, you really think that this is God. Right. Your position as a pastor, as a leader, is to lead people to the gates of heaven and you're actually leading them to the gates of hell. For real.
0: Along with the pages and pages detailing the gross abuse of power exerted by the Hillsong NYC patriarchy, there was a large portion of the report that revealed the financial side of Hillsong NYC. I sent this section to Roxanne Stone, managing editor at Religion News Service, who has covered allegations of financial impropriety by Hillsong before.
2: None of it was like individually surprising, but when you add all of it up, you, it's hard not to... Just shake your head at like, wow, this was a lot crazier. And it really gets into some of the allegations of improper use of finances and church tithes and donations. It's flagrant and it's excessive. But I also think like if you went to a Hillsong service, this would not surprise you. I mean, you could recognize the designer clothes on stages. You could recognize how much money was going into the appearance of Hillsong as an event as a rock concert as a a draw to celebrities. I mean there was obviously investment being made into that.
0: It is it does all seem very excessive. I think you said it perfectly. I mean what this report does is put hard edges on something that is sort of widely known and it sort of yeah lays clear cut examples. We can quote from the report Shannon Kelly interviewed 12920. Shannon Kelly stated that it was commonly known in New York that there was misappropriation of funds. Shannon Kelly was a Hillsong leader sent from Australia to help establish and grow Hillsong NYC. The report makes clear that Shannon noticed multiple issues with how money was being spent in the church and raised some concerns with Hillsong Global. Shannon Kelly stated that at one point she told Margaret Agajanian in Sydney that Carl Lentz had spent $5,000 on a dinner with celebrities. That's a lot of, of loaves and fishes.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of loaves and fishes. It is. It's a lot of money.
0: When there are volunteers that we have had on this series and that we have spoken to in the TV documentary that are saying they are living off bags of rice or they are sharing food or they are hungry eating cold pasta, mm-hmm. there is no need for that amount of money.
2: This report makes for like a glaring example of the way that church funds can be misappropriated, can be excessively spent, can have so little accountability. Um, It's hard to imagine justifying $5,000 on one dinner with celebrities unless you're trying to get publicity via your relationship with these celebrities. And that does feel like very much in line with the experience of Hillsong in New York City and this Push to be a media darling. This push to be in the headlines. This push to be pictured with celebrities regularly, and it—it seems like Hillsong made the choice that they felt it was worth it. And I think that's part of what you're seeing throughout. You know, we've also got another instance of like a two thousand dollar leather jacket being purchased.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that point you're talking about, I can quote directly interviewee stated that kane keating purchased a two thousand dollar leather jacket using the church pex card interviewee stated that carla keating and leona kimes would get their nails done once a week using the church pex card carla keating denied using the card to get her nails done and kane told investigators that he didn't recall charging the leather jacket to a church card kane keating did not respond to our request for comment about any of these allegations
2: yeah there's also a spot where someone at the church said that Lynz would would describe his clothes as church related. How
0: yeah. can you possibly justify that money?
2: I mean, I think that even if you were able to justify all the reasons for all of this, when you own these luxury items, when you are constantly like concerned about how you look and how you are perceived and who is at the table with you, that is forming and shaping you. And that is forming and shaping the culture of the church in ways that to me feels fundamentally opposed to the Christian ethic. And even if you got a bunch more people to become Christians because you did that, are they then also being formed into the kinds of people that are vain and greedy and desire celebrity and status and all of the trappings of that you know or are you creating people who are actually like loving their neighbor and
0: or you just loving your neighbor's jacket (laughs) exactly
2: yeah and so if you try to argue and ends justifies the means here like i don't know that the end is all that good
0: Along with the examples of reckless spending amounting to thousands of dollars for VIP dinners and luxury clothes, the report paints a picture where, in line with the greater culture of Hillsong NYC, any sort of protocol was disregarded by Carl Lentz and other church leaders. There's one part of the report, Mochizuki, um, stated that a very large donation came from Mark Need, Need specifically wanted one third of the money to be for the tithes and offerings, one third of the money to be heart for the house and one-third of the money to be for the Benevolence Fund. Mochizuki received a call from Cornelius saying that Carl Lentz wanted the money to be as fluid as possible. Fluidity with money uh, can also be read as no accountability.
2: Well, right. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that's really just not wanting to be accountable for how the money is spent. If if they had the accounting to prove that that is what happened, if they had that proof, like that would be... I think, like a legal issue. If donations are made and marked as, you know, they need to be spent in a certain way as per the donor's request, you can't just disregard that.
0: Per the report, Mochizuki emphasized that the funds had to be used as the donor intended, but she did not know what happened to the money. John Cornelius, Hillsong East Coast CFO, told investigators that funds had never been used for a purpose different than the donor's intent. John Cornelius was interviewed on January 5th 2021 stated that he would create a budget. The budget would be disregarded by the leadership. For example, there would be a budget for guests when they came to New York and leadership would not adhere to that budget. In April or May of 2019, he raised the issue that he believed they were overspending given the church's cash flow. He stated that this concern was disregarded and not listened to Mm -hmm. following Cornelius raising this issue. He was no longer included in meetings.
2: Like you said, there just wasn't a sense of accountability. And I think that is, clear throughout this whole report from top to bottom and every aspect of what was happening at Hillsong. When you are in charge of the funds that people have donated to you, there is a level of responsibility. Like how will we spend this money that was given to us in good faith for a work, a mission that we've said we're doing. And I think there's, there should be a gravity that comes with that. and And so then how do we appropriately spend that money? and it doesn't really seem like that was happening and i think that's what stands out is the contrast between the money that was being spent by leadership and volunteers being taken advantage of in terms of how many hours they were being asked to work um, there's a part of this report called the babysitting club where it's talking about all of these women that were volunteers that were sort of conscripted into taking care of the leadership's kids. And to me, that's where, you know, that feels so ugly that, that sense of entitlement that was happening with leadership that, that, Didn't seem to be in any way trickling down. So many of the people in this report who were interviewed, that were volunteers, that were members of the church, they were really being taken advantage of. And it really feels like just very toxic in that way and not at all what you would want from a church where you would imagine that people who, you know, are coming to the church for support, for love, for community, for spiritual guidance, that they would be safe.
0: This podcast started with one single goal of getting Carl to share his side of the story. As with the documentary, I've witnessed more wounds and more Hillsong victims, Hillsong members, and Hillsong volunteers who gave everything to serve the church. Some scarred, some fresh, but none of them truly healed. They shared those stories in the hopes of healing their pain. This report and what's contained in it is an indelible etching of that pain for everyone to see and a blueprint of the damage a church like this can cause if gone unaddressed like I said at the start of this when it comes to Hillsong if you're willing to offer an arm to help someone from drowning you had better be prepared to be pulled in and swim too if you're one of the folks treading water and gasping for air I promise there's dry land wherever you need it just reach out and you'll find it if you're in Hillsong and you're hearing this well, I'd encourage you to be ready to take a dip. Hillsong Omega Church Shattered is a Discovery Plus podcast. From Warner Brothers Discovery, our executive producers are Cameron Curtis and Michael Desolva. Dan Johnstone and Kevin Branicky are the executive producers. Our supervising producer is Ray Kantrowitz. Editing, sound design and engineering also by Ray Kantrowitz. Our theme music is composed by Jack Long.